Welcome to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast. My name is Talea Dindy. I'm an 11-year cancer thriver, cancer doula, and owner of On the Other Side. I use my experience to help others get on the other side of cancer. Gaps between the guidance, emotional support, and education that are needed and what one receives can be huge. This podcast fills those gaps by sharing stories, resources, and information about all things related to cancer and wellness. I interview guests from all walks of life who are living with cancer, caregivers, and those who are thriving on the other side. Also, I talk with organizations, healthcare professionals, and experts in the health and wellness spaces who offer complimentary and integrative care. Join me. We are in this together. Disclaimer, the purpose of this podcast is to educate and to inform. The podcast is provided on the understanding that it does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. It is not a substitute for professional care by a doctor or other qualified medical professionals and is not intended for the use in the diagnosis or treatment of individual conditions. Guests who speak in a podcast express their own opinions, experience, and conclusions. Conclusions. Neither Talea Dendi, Navigating Cancer Together, On the Other Side LC, nor any of its affiliates endorses, supports, or opposes any treatment option or other matter discussed in a podcast. The mention of any product, service, organization, activity, or therapy on a podcast should not be construed as an endorsement. Hello, everyone. This is Talea Dindi from OnTheOtherSide.life, and you're listening to the Navigating Cancer Together podcast, the show that has something for everyone facing cancer. Why? Because everyone is different with different needs, beliefs, and perspectives. Thank you for joining us for this episode. I encourage you to open your minds and your hearts. Today, our very special guest is Ms. Freddie Stover. Miss Freddie has been an RN for 35 years. She is the mother of two sons. She is also a vocalist in two bands. She sings blues, gospel, classic rock, and R&B. She has been performing since 1996, and Miss Freddie also volunteers for charity events every year. She is also a breast cancer survivor. Miss Freddie, thank you so much for joining us today, and welcome. Oh, thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. Ms. Freddie, you are a breast cancer survivor, as I just mentioned. Please tell the audience a little bit more about your cancer journey. Cancer journey was difficult both times. The first time it was found breast cancer, actually it was the right breast, and it was found by accident. I went to my OBGYN, I called and I was having some other issues and went into the office, got my checkup, prescribed, you know, what he needed to do. And then he said, by the way, when was your last mammogram or have you had one yet? And I'm like, Ugh. and I knew better being a nurse. I knew better. And I said, I haven't had one. Or if I did, it's been a while. So he ordered one and they found something. Then it took from June to August because I had to go through a lot of diagnostic testing. And the biopsy came back. It was positive for breast cancer in situ, which means it was contained into the milk ducts. Of course, I was devastated. I said, I do my breast exam. 
exams every month, once a month. And I could tell something just wasn't, you know, if something wasn't right, which had no sign, no nothing. After crying for 24 hours straight, that means lack of sleep, just crying, just it was like a pity party. Usually I'm strong, take care of cancer patients as a bedside nurse, and then you end up with cancer. You know, I kind of felt like, why me? What did I do? I don't deserve this. This is not my time to get this. Am I going to die? How has it spread? Which it has not, it did not spread. It was contained. So the only reason why I got out of crying 24 hours, my mother happened to call me the next day and I was just crying and sobbing. She really didn't know what to say because my mother also was diagnosed with breast cancer when I finished nursing school. Like that month I graduated, she was diagnosed. And so here I am. She said, I don't know what to say to you or, you know, what to tell you to do. She said, but you got to remember you have the kids. You have to get it together for the kids. And then something just snapped inside of me as if, oh, okay, wait a minute. She's right. After we hung up, I sat there and I thought about it for a while. And I said, my mom's right because she's already been had cancer twice herself. And she's the matriarch of our family. So she must know what she's talking about. Plus, God probably was talking to me through her Mm -hmm. too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for sharing that, Miss Freddie. Sure. I think that you really did the right thing by crying and getting it out because like your mother said, it's like you have to face it and taking the time for yourself to just really work through those emotions so that you could really step into your power and face cancer, I think was a wise choice. And also the fact that unfortunately your mother had breast cancer, but thankfully there was someone really close to you who you could talk to about it. My mother and some people nowadays wouldn't understand, but she was from the old school. There's certain things that you did not discuss, like what's going on. And my mother had to have a mastectomy. Oh, she did wear the false breasts and all that. And she really didn't talk about it. And I didn't press her to talk about her cancers, both of them. I understood where she's coming from. But me, on the other hand, I always encourage my patients, you don't have to tell the whole world what's going on with you if you're not comfortable with that. If you have a person you're close to, or if you want to join a support group, the key is, or if you are a person of deep faith, take your talk to God. Whatever you have to do, you should not hold it in. So my mother, I know my mother was faith-based, but she also was a stern Southern woman. Yes. (laughs) And knowing that she's the head of the family, she had to be strong in her eyes, you could not show any sign of weakness. Yeah. Freddie, you mentioned like a support group, but did you talk with a therapist or anything like that regarding your cancer diagnosis? You know what? The first time I did not, because I had my friends rally around me, nurses that I work with on the floor, and they would come and visit me. There were aides that I work with, the nurses on the floor, they come. And then I would joke and they thought I was the most morbid person <laughs> on the planet. I said, but you all don't understand. Had this not been found by accident, I wouldn't be here talking to you. I said it probably would have spread. But the second time I did, when I was diagnosed with the left breast, I did go talk to a therapist because I was getting chemotherapy and I used to give chemo and the kind of chemo that I was getting, it terrified me. Getting my first dose as I saw it moving through the IV tubing, 
I had to have them stop several times. And then they end up giving me Ativan to calm me because I was freaking out. My anxiety level went through the roof. My blood pressure went up. The nurse practitioner in the medical oncology practice suggested you need to talk to somebody. So I went to talk to a therapist like two or three times. And then I was, I was okay after that. And then of course, by the time my treatment, like towards my last treatment, I didn't have to have anything for my anxiety. But the first two times I'm like, you got to give me something. So yeah, I did. I just wanted to vent. Good. I can relate to especially that first chemotherapy session because I actually started crying a little bit. A tear actually rolled down my cheek. And it was because I didn't know what was going to happen, what things were going to look like after. I knew that in some ways I would be different once that chemotherapy entered my body. So it felt like I was looking at my old self. And that's the effect that I guess chemotherapy can have on you. It is terrifying in a sense. And I'm glad that you did speak with someone. So kudos to you for that. Thanks. Freddie, what is your passion as a cancer survivor? I could go either direction on that, but my passion is, and actually I'm doing it now because I'm an outpatient nurse in surgical oncology, concentrating on the pancreatic colon and rectal cancers. 90% of my job is talking on the phone. The other 10% is I'm in clinic once or twice a week. But I think my passion is developing a rapport and an understanding and a listening ear to our patients and not be all preachy. I can do as much patient education teaching, but at the end of the day, they only get maybe 40% of it because they got everything else going on in their life, probably their everyday life, their diagnosis, family, friends. So that's my passion to be just as I call it down home as I can be. And I have to tell you, our patients do appreciate that because whenever my surgeon and my PA or one of the interns residents, they're like, so-and-so wants to say hi to you. And the surgeon, my attending will come in and say, whatever you did, you helped that person, blah, blah, blah. And I said, that's what it's all about because we don't know how long we're going to be on this earth. And I don't want to be that last person that patient talked to and they hang up and then, you know, they drop dead, God forbid. They teach us not to, in nursing school, they did back in my day, not to get close to the patient, but you can't help it. You don't have to know about their life and their business, but you are getting to know the patient because number one, cancer is not normal. Number two, if you need surgery, that's not normal. And that's a scary thing. And some of the things I can relate to them and I tell patients, I'm not comparing myself with you. I'm giving you a general comparison. I see it when I got the diagnosis, the big C, I was scared to death. I cried for 24 hours and I I was angry and I was depressed and I did a full circle all over again. So that's my passion. And to learn, I'm still learning. I've been a nurse for 35 years. So I'm still learning. I'm still learning as I go. And that's where the music comes in because I said, it's okay to go out there and sing a song. When I choose my song, because I make up the song list, it's me. And I tell my both bands, I said, I've got to do this as if it's my last time on earth. I said, somebody could be coming in here. They have issues and problems. They're depressed, they're angry, or they're sad. Something happened in their life. And I've got to make these people feel good, make them feel like each and every one of them is important. I've had people come up. We have patients that have seen me 
sing. Mm-hmm. They didn't know it was me. They didn't correlate the two till they saw me in clinic. And they're like, nobody spells their name like that. You wouldn't happen to know a Miss Freddie. And I smile and I chuckle. And I'm like, yeah, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> that's nice. You're able to connect with your patients in different mm-hmm. ways because a lot of times patients, they feel alone, they feel misunderstood. And you being able to make that connection, I'm sure just means the world to them. You touched on your music a little bit. How did your music help you with your own personal cancer journeys? Well, you know, I had started out in 96 in a band. And then by the time 1998 came around, my first one, not so much. I focused, the first diagnosis was, I actually got a book from one of my friends called Chicken Soup for, I think it was for the mother's soul. And it was very inspirational. I was so inspired by that. But the second time I was diagnosed with cancer, the music played a big part of it. To the point, I had my surgery on a Wednesday. I got out on a Friday. I had a show that Friday night in the venue. Wow. My band said, you don't have to do this. You just had surgery. I said, I want to do it. I will never do anything like that again. <laughs> I wasn't so much in pain, but I was tired and I was yeah. swollen being on my feet for three hours. And I said, okay, I won't do that again. But I still did my shows. I didn't do too much through that year in 04 because of the journey that I was going through with infections, starting chemo, being stubborn, almost died, just ignoring signs. I'm like, I know better. As time went on, I said, I should probably practice what I preach. I should embrace what I tell my patients for my own sake, because if people see that you're doing something for your own sake, but it's also for their sake, they can feel that energy. They can pick that up. So that's where the music comes in. And it has been helpful, especially with the loss of like my mother ended up passing away of two cancers in 2015. Thanks. My dad died in 08 of cancer. The music was there. It was a healer. Definitely. It's a blessing that you have that way to self-soothe yourself. In addition to helping others, having that music for yourself is a blessing. For sure. Freddie, what advice would you give to other survivors? I would say, first of all, make sure you take care of yourself. If you can take care of the whole self. And when I say take care of yourself, take care of yourself, not only physically, but take care of yourself mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Give yourself room to breathe. You cannot take care of the whole world. Wouldn't that be wonderful if we could take care of the whole world and ourselves? Mm. That ain't happening. Don't even try it. Don't even think (laughs) it because it'll overwhelm you. And then, you know, most of all, learn from your experience and never take anything for granted because life is too short and always keep in the back of your head. Yes, there are days that I may think I have this and there's days that I may not have this. Always find that support person, be it spiritually, a support something, or in the physical sense, like somebody, you if it's a group, if it's a close friend, if it's a relative, take care of that self. Self is so important at the end of the day. Great advice, Freddie. And I agree with you. Taking care of the whole self is very critical, actually, to not only your well-being, but your happiness. So finding ways to do that is important. Exactly. Freddie, how has cancer and being a nurse changed your life? Nursing has been my passion forever, (laughs) 35 Mm -hmm. years. Yeah. (laughs) 
I don't know what drawn me to take care to become a surgical nurse and then to focus on cancer. It fell in my lap and I just went with the flow. Didn't take a second look because I could have did any kind of nursing from trauma to emergency room. But I don't know. I was just drawn to it. And I don't know if that's because my mother's diagnosis or, you know, it's just, and I love to talk to people because I have stage fright. I used to have it so bad, (laughs) so bad. And I remember taking a speech class because this ties in when I was in college and I just, I almost failed because I was shaking. But then when I'm talking to somebody, I face to face group that's going through cancer or some issue, it just flows. So one day I said, I love the surgical side of nursing and cancer is devastating. And then being a survivor twice myself, even though it's a different kind of cancer, I said, I can do this. And I tell my patients, I don't know everything. Mm -hmm. I said, I'll find somebody that knows whatever you're asking me. And I don't know the answer. I said, I'm not going to pretend I do. I'm not going to be like just yakking away. I think with that, I'm a nurturer. So I want to, even if the patient has a bad diagnosis, at some point they're going to die. When? Don't know. And I don't hold judgment against people, whether it's family, whatever. If you haven't talked to whoever in years, you know, if that's what you want to do, you know, you're going to have to make peace. That's on you. I can't tell you what to do. I think actually having the diagnosis that helped me to understand what my patients went through, surgery, chemo, the mental health aspect of it, the physical aspect of it, getting infections, almost dying. So I think that has helped a lot, a whole lot. And it gave me a different outlook on how I'm supposed to approach my patients and to talk with my patients. It also, I bet, puts the patients at ease as well, knowing that they're talking to someone who gets it. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. And I think that is so very important. And I respect our patients because I have talked patients. It's a term that we use off the ledge. People are so scared to death and I don't sit there. And even if I meet them in clinic face to face, I notice some people, they don't know what to say. It just Mm -hmm. comes out to me talking. I don't know how that's happening, but I tell people, I said, I think that's God's business. And this is what I'm supposed to do. I get it. Freddie, based on your experience and profession, what are some things that people impacted by cancer need from the healthcare system or their healthcare team that they are not getting? What can be improved? Let's see. I think for the most part, and I think it's getting better from what I am witnessing, is the healthcare providers, whether it's your surgeon, your medical oncologist, your social worker, your nutritionist, whoever, is to be upfront with the patient. Patients, a lot of them, am I going to die? How much time do I have? A lot of them want you to be upfront. You probably cannot predict. You can tell them this is your treatment options based on your cancer and how it's going. But a lot of patients appreciate the fact that their pathology reports come back. Please call them in a timely fashion. I know practices can be very busy. The other thing is if they have questions, make sure you have somebody on board who can answer them and be open to your patients being angry because of the diagnosis or your patient being so grateful that they want to just hug you forever. Think being upfront, being honest with the patient about their diagnosis, no matter if it's a bad diagnosis or if it's a great diagnosis, just be upfront. And I think we need to work more and more on that as healthcare professionals. I totally agree. What are the things that caregivers, loved ones, and friends can do to support someone who has cancer? Oh, wow. 
Okay. I've been on the side of being a caregiver. And this is what I tell patients and their families when I first meet them. We may have some patients who they're very stoic. They know what's going on. They've accepted it and all that. And then their loved ones are crying and just so angry, confused. This is how they act all the time. Or you have some like me joke. They're laughing and it's the loved one or whoever. I don't think it's funny. What I tell patients and their loved ones, whoever is going to be in their life, helping them, their advocates, you have to understand one thing. Number one, it's not normal to have cancer. Number two, this is probably the best way this person knows how, the patient knows how to deal with it. Number three, you're going to have to figure out a way if the patient is, I want my life saved, do everything you can, you're going to have to be in the corner. Or if the patient says, you know what, I just want to live my life. I want to have some quality. I don't want to go through all of that. You have to be accepting. You cannot force the patient to do something because it's in your best interest. It's not fair because it causes a lot of friction. I've seen it and I've been on both sides of the candle and it's terrifying for the caregivers and the loved ones. I tell them, I'm like, you got to look at it. You cannot imagine yourself with cancer. And if you've been a cancer survivor, now you're the caregiver. Go back and think of what you went through and how it was and what was going on. No two people, I tell them, are alike when it comes comes to how you think and feel and what you think is best for the person that has cancer, because it's not fair to neither one of you at the end of the day. So that would be my advice. Miss Freddie, please tell us more about the charity work that you do. Oh, geez. <laughs> Where do I begin? <laughs> when it comes to cancer, it started out probably about 15 years ago. The music, I would get called to do the Relay for Life in a couple areas around surrounding areas in Pittsburgh and just put on like an hour show or something, just play while the runners and the walkers were doing their relay. I've done some things in the past called Battle of the Bands, and it's for the Surgical Oncology Nurses Group here in Pittsburgh, and they would put on a fundraiser and they would have local bands come in and just battle and whoever won. I've won twice. (laughs) Other charity work I do for to save a playground every year for kids so they have somewhere to go and play and raise money. And then there's an organization called Band Together for folks on the autism spectrum. And I've actually met people on the autism spectrum with cancer. And I just could not imagine because my youngest is on the spectrum. That is very scary to me out of anything. But yeah, that's the charity work. It's usually through music volunteer my time and just sing while the fundraising events going on. Wonderful. I love that. You're taking your experience and you're helping others in different ways. And you're right. I couldn't imagine having autism and then cancer as well. It just adds an additional layer of challenges. Exactly. Miss Freddie, who are your inspirations? My mother's my big inspiration as far as the strength. And she was going to be a nurse at one time and then she changed her mind. So she was like the neighborhood caregiver. If something happened with a kid, if they got hurt or something, she took care of them or right there at that moment. And then as far as becoming a nurse, there were two nurses. And actually I worked at an outpatient center back in the eighties and there was the director of nursing. And then it was the manager, the director of nursing. She was smart, African-American, but both of them. She's smart. She knew everything. And so did the manager. And unfortunately, the director of nursing, I found out several years ago, she had died of esophageal cancer. And I said, wow, that's just heartbreaking. But the other manager, she's still alive and we're Facebook friends. And every time nursing week comes around, I always mention those two because I was so inspired being in my twenties and watching them, how they worked and how they did their things. And they were smart. And I said, I want to go to nursing school. 
So when I applied to nursing school and I got in, they were like, oh, that's great. They were very proud that I took that path. Those are my inspiration. Throughout the years, I've had different people inspire me. I've actually had some friends who became nurses because of me. So that's inspirational to me that I was able to make an impact. Matter of fact, I have a niece that's in nursing school right now. And I said, what made you want to be a nurse? So like that, <laughs> she's like, well, it's because of you on Freddie. And I'm like, oh, okay. She lives in a different city. She's watching. She's seen how I conduct myself. I said, yeah. I said, at the end of the day, it's not about me. And I love taking care of people. <laughs> I said, if I had been a secretary executive assistant, I love maneuvering people's schedules and calendars. And I said, but I became a nurse. So it's a little bit more in depth, I think. So those are my inspirations throughout my years. And I'm still being inspired by a lot of people, like even the team that I work with, such a good team. And I want to retire to the next year. And I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I'm taking a deep breath. I'm like, eh, I don't know. We'll see what happens. But my team is very inspiring, inspiring. The surgeon I work for, he's a great surgeon. His patients love him. That's what I can say. Thank you so much for sharing your inspiration. Oh, yeah, you're welcome. Where can people find you and learn more about your concerts? They can go to my website, missfreddy.com, M-I-S-S-F-R-E-D-D-Y-E.com. Miss Freddy, I want to thank you so much for joining us today. You're very welcome. And thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. And thank you for what you're doing for us survivors and even those in memory. It's greatly appreciated. Thank you as well. Before we end today, I would like to give a shout out to the listeners. Thank you for joining us. If you enjoy this episode, please share, follow, or subscribe so that you can easily find my podcast and listen again. Until next time, let's keep navigating cancer together. Take care. Thanks for listening to this episode of Navigating Cancer Together. I hope you enjoyed it. Please be sure to subscribe. And if you enjoyed the show, please share or tell your friends and family about it. For notes from the show and previous episodes, visit ontheotherside.life and check out the podcast section. I would love it if you joined us for the next episode. Talk to you soon.